I wanted to um, join in the game. And one of the boys I distinctly remember looked at me and said, you're not allowed to play black people. Don't play Yu-Gi-Oh. Welcome back, guys, to the Talking Reality podcast. You're here with Mike and Nathan. And today we've got our guest, Sabrina. Hi, Sabrina. Hi, guys. Hi, Sabrina. Hi, nice yeah. to have you on. <laughs> and we'll be talking the reality of racism. So before we get into this, guys, I just think it's important. We just put a bit of a disclaimer out there that the topics we'll be covering are our personal experiences. So we don't represent an entire race. We mm. represent ourselves, the things we've witnessed and really experienced. Um, do we all agree? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, of course. I think it's important to reiterate that to, to, to all our listeners and viewers um, that these are our views and our guest views. Um, and ultimately, there'll be elements of our conversation I'm sure people can relate to. Yeah. But, um, fundamentally, these are our views. Yeah. Okay, then, Sabina. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, so thank you, um, guys, again, for bringing me along. No, good good to have you. Good to have you on here. <laughs> Um, so I am Bristol born. My yeah. parents are Jamaican, so um, they came over to this country in the early 1970s. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I've been brought up in mainly Downend, Emerson's Green area. If you know that part of Bristol, it's mainly very kind of suburban, so I wasn't brought up in inner um, city Bristol. I uh, went to the local primary schools, secondary schools. I studied history at Manchester Metropolitan. The reason why I did that degree was because I've always had an interest in looking at history and how people conducted themselves, you know, um, pr to previous generations and how um, those previous um, people influenced ourselves today. Yeah. And the other part of it was I've always had the interest of having a better understanding of my own heritage as I said that my parents are Jamaican and you know with the whole big um, wind rush that happened in the 1950s there was a big influx of yeah, Caribbean yeah. immigrants so I wanted to have a bit of better understanding of how Caribbean immigrants influence um, British history in terms of music culture food so and so forth to feel a little bit more closer in a sense to what my understanding is of British identity um, yeah, so, yeah. so I, I guess your parents' experience coming over here mm -hmm. would differ from, from yourself as times moved on. Yeah. Um, what sort of things did they experience when they first come to the UK? Oh, um, so one of the um, things that definitely um, from speaking with my own parents was about the school system. Yeah. You can imagine that um, when they were coming over to um, Britain, that the school the school system wasn't in, wasn't exactly that diverse or inclusive at that time compared to nowadays. If you think about um, the kind of school calendar, there's a lot more inclusivity about different people's religions and focus on Black History Month, for instance. Black History Month was just um, this recent October. Um, so you can imagine for my parents, they didn't really feel like they sometimes were welcomed coming yeah. into the country and especially in school. There wasn't really a lot of talk about, oh, you know, we've had these Caribbean immigrants coming over into the country and, you know, this is kind of um, the reasons why they're coming over and so and so forth. So they sometimes would feel a, a little bit certain away and didn't feel like they were um, welcomed. Whereas with me, um, it was a lot more 
there was there was a lot more focus on including everybody that came from different backgrounds whether you were caribbean whether you were asian so and so forth there was a lot more inclusivity um, do you think maybe there's been a, an evolution in that sense in terms of the education system is i think slow mm-hmm. but it is adapting and getting better maybe um uh, including people from all sorts of different cultures religions mm-hmm. but i think ultimately you know, you touched briefly on what your parents, um, I suppose, introduction to Britain was like. Did you say they came here in the 1970s? Yeah, um, late 1960s, early 1970s, around so, that period. So how old were they when they came here? So my dad came over when he was eight years old, mm-hmm. and my mum came over when she was five years old. And the thing to bear in mind is, for both of my parents, when they were being brought up in Jamaica, they were being brought up by their grandparents mm-hmm. and essentially by their local community within their local village. They came over to Britain um, during the dead of winter when they didn't really know their parents because, of course, it was their grandparents that brought them. Yeah, so not only yeah. did they have to get used to knowing these brand new sets of people that um, should be your parents and you should have that kind of close familiar relationship with they had to deal with that personal thing but then they also had to deal with coming into a new country and understanding the people and the and the culture and feeling um, that they have to fit in because of course there wasn't really a lot of people similar to them within their own area that they were living with anyway yeah it was a big a big culture shock and then you can imagine as well at that time um, there wasn't that great um, focus, especially within the British government, oh, about yeah. inclusivity and diversity, and um, you know, I, I, there's been countless times that Mum has talked to myself of saying that she walked to school and there would be buildings with the um, slur of "wog," "wogs go home," and, and and so and so forth. So you can imagine, as a young child coming from Jamaica to the UK and not feeling welcomed, there. Um, perception of racism was very overt. It was right in their face at times. And I think, I mean, ultimately, I, I can't even begin to relate to that. But from my perspective, I think one of the, the sad things about that is that obviously your parents came here in a time, the time where technology was nowhere near as advanced as it is today. So I guess you wouldn't be, the world was smaller almost. Yeah. Yeah. In that you know you wouldn't i guess your experiences would be your experiences mm-hmm. you wouldn't be aware of how someone in america might be struggling or someone in you know in africa or australia i mean ultimately it must have been a very and probably your 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 um, parents world at that young age yeah they must have just thought oh well that's just normal like walk past you walk past and see that on a, a building that's normal that must happen everywhere yeah. in the world mm-hmm. and it's you know it's quite I would imagine as well because it would go unchallenged like especially back then oh, yeah. i feel like people were socialized into this is the norm this is the way it is so i guess a lot of people coming here from abroad would have just almost had that expectation this is going to happen but we're in a country where perhaps there might be some better opportunity for us oh, yeah. um, and just sort of kind of negotiate and say okay well it's worth it because the next generation will have a better opportunity than what we had 
Well, yeah, in terms of the um, opportunities that my mum and dad have had since living in the UK compared to if they were living in Jamaica, it does kind of um, it does kind of balance it out because, like, for myself, um, they've been able to provide for me and my brothers greatly because of their help. I managed to get into university. I yeah. know definitely I would not be where I am if it wasn't for their hard work, my mum. Um, was working two jobs to get me through um, college and university because I mean if you look at university prices now um, nine grand for tuition and the maintenance loan and everything there's no way even just with a part-time job that I would have been able to um, sustain myself. um, Would your parents have had the opportunity to go to university back in Jamaica? Not to the same degree in the UK most definitely not. Um, Definitely of course, not to say that if you were in Jamaica, there's no way that you could get into university, but the accessibility, yeah, definitely not to the same degree. One of the kind of first things that I learned about racism in the sense of being taught through the education system was the American slave trade. I think that's yeah. always kind of the main history topic that's brought up um, yeah. when you're in primary as well as in secondary school. But my... Um, even my kind of understanding and looking at it of um, racism, especially um, during that, was more of um, that even though there was racism towards these um, African in, um, enslaved Africans, that it was more of just as an economic system rather than, you know, the horrible and abuse of, um, of these people um, being ripped away from their homelands and brought over to a foreign country and people are shouting at them saying you're no longer going to be using your birth given name you're how now have to be um you're now going to essentially be under a new identity i would no longer be sabrina trustee anymore i would be whatever you have told me i'm going to be if you told me my name is now going to be sarah baxter that is it that is so you would have to now. adopt the name of whoever was owning you i guess and what i kind of found interesting and i think that's the reason why i wanted to study british um history history and kind of my understanding of how um, british history sees itself in relation to these particular topics is because it was so glazed over um during secondary school that it was just an economic system whereas if you look at um, other history um, topics such as the holocaust there was a lot more detail on, you know, this is the terrible treatment that yeah, the Jews yeah. went under um, from the Nazi government. You saw the pictures, you saw the Some videos. very graphic images yeah. in those textbooks. And there, graphic, was, and there yeah. wasn't that much, from when I was in primary and secondary school, there wasn't that much focus on the harsh treatment. It was more just that it was an economic system that brought in money to Britain yeah. and we profited off of it and a lot of the money went back into the government, went back into the education system. I mean, we could, um, I think we might talk about it at some point, but looking at Edward Colston in Bristol, um, he was a slave trader, but a a philanthropist, got the word, is it philanthropist? That's the one. Um, You know, the profits that he made went back into Bristol, um, went back into the education system, supported uh, um, the, the schools, Colston Girls' School, so... Yeah. So when when like when obviously we we all got educated to some degree on the slave trade, although mm. it was quite minimal 
and it was kind of glazed over if i'm honest yeah um how did your like peers like take that class i mean did they just walk out that class and do you think it just left their head or do you think they actually thought about the severity of the the slaves that would have been on those ships i think it was definitely for from my um personal experience and when speaking to my peers in secondary school at mm-hmm. the time talking about that topic there wasn't really much resonance with them because of course the way that they saw it, it wasn't directly affecting them. It wasn't affecting their okay. kind of fa- their family line. Yeah. Whereas, of course, slave um, the slave trade is going to be affecting me um, personally because Jamaica was uh, essentially created through um, enslaved Africans. That is where my family line came from, and it would make and come um, on the flip side where talking about um, World War Two and with Nazi Germany. I don't have any family members or from my understanding from looking at my own personal family history there wasn't really anybody that was involved in world war ii going out on um going out on the missions and so and so forth but i know there were a couple of um, my peers whose grandfather and great great grandfather um was involved in world war ii and going out and fighting on the battle so i can understand that they would be more inclined to feel um a little bit of a closer connection and and um, fighting the Germans and so and so forth, and trying to help out the Jews and everything. So I, I think it's almost like it's almost like so obviously when we finish these podcast episodes, yeah. And, and anyone does a podcast episode knows you, you you then comes the editing, and when you edit something, you choose your favorite parts, don't you? Mm-hmm. You're, not gonna, yeah. you're not going to put out. You're not, point, you're not going to put out all the bits you don't no. like. So that's almost like what our education system has done over over time. It's picked out its favourite parts, yeah. or where Britain and where we look great, where Britain looks good, i.e., World War Two. Yeah, um, and kind of omits the periods in history mm. where people have not shown themselves in the greatest light. And I think, <laughs> but ultimately, it's important that people understand what's happened, what's gone wrong, so people can be better, so human beings can be better and do better. Well, what I was going to say, I was going to raise one um, further point is the experiences that my parents had, especially with racism, was very overt. It was in their face. You could not you could not really um, escape from it. It was right there. Whereas the racism that I say that I experienced today is not overt. It's more I'm just trying to find the right words. It's more of the certain language that's used by certain yeah. political um, party leaders. Um, it's by the words that is used in the media as well, alluding to certain stereotypes, which then fuels prejudice. Um, you can link it to um, some of the um, things that I've seen actually regarding the whole campaign with Brexit. Now, um, I understand with Brexit that you're it was just simply coming out of the eu market but for some of the comments that i was seeing around the debate it was almost as though get all the foreigners out of the country and i and i've seen that um kind of rhetoric a lot of the time that whenever something um happens and it's not um for the majority of the um, population within the uk which is um, mostly white people is um, if it means that a minority is creating a negative effect, the first thing to do 
um, that I'm seeing these type of comments is just support them, get them out. They are foreigners. And it makes me kind of question about my own British identity because I am born here. I have every right to claim that I am British. Yeah. I was born here. I've paid my taxes. I've brought up, I've been brought up in the education system. I've been brought up in British culture. But yet you'll see these certain comments sometimes that if it was somebody like myself who's done something wrong, the first um, thing that is told that because I've done some, I've done something that is against the norm or maybe even illegal, I should be deported because I'm not technically British. So in, when it's coming on to racism of today, I still feel you have those undertones of you're British, but you're not truly British, and you may not may never be fully truly British until let's say. I have a, a child with somebody who is white and my children and their children mix more with the majority that almost my mm. heritage line has almost disappeared. What, I suppose, like I said, don't, don't answer if you don't want to, but what personal racism have you suffered? Um, okay. um, so, I mean, the earliest, the earliest experience I remember having was, funny enough, in primary school, I was um, playing with these bunch of boys and do you remember the old um, Yu-Gi-Oh cards? Yeah, I, I wanted to um, join in the game and one of the boys I distinctly remember looked at me and said, you're not allowed to play, black people don't play Yu-Gi-Oh. And I was a little bit caught off guard because, um, I mean, I never kind of heard of yeah. people saying that to me because, I mean, at my young age, I was like, what? Why can't I play um, Yu-Gi-Oh? I've never heard that black people can't play Yu-Gi-Oh. I've seen my brother used to yeah. play Yu-Gi-Oh with his friends. So I asked him and again, I was like, what What do you mean that I can't play? And he's like, no, black people aren't allowed to play Yu-Gi-Oh. It's not your game. And he was really, um, really quite forward um, on it. I told the teachers and of course he got a telling off. But um, that always stayed with me because it, I always did kind of wonder, was that something that he learned um, from maybe his parents or from his own family or was that from his own understanding of looking at society that um, certain groups of people certain communities like the black community aren't allowed to do certain things because that's not yeah it's, it's not um, allowed to us essentially you know? it's, a, it's an interesting question because like you said um it, it it could be something they've just formulated themselves yeah or my opinion more than likely it, it, it stemmed from learnt behavior yeah right from the people around them it might not be their parents it might be someone else's child or and they might have learned it from you know their parents or do you know what i mean so yeah. it's, it's hard to like pinpoint those things down mm -hmm. but i i think it boils back down to education i think racism is always going to be a quite contentious topic because um i remember speaking to you even before we started this podcast is yeah some people they because they have not been within an environment of being around people of different cultures when they hear about things on the news about racism they're like massively oh, yeah oh you know racism it, it's not really that big of a thing or you know i've i've yeah. best or the best statements i've heard is well i've personally never seen racism so it can't really be that bad, but you can't, I, I understand personally for you that um, the person who 
may not have personally seen racism, mm-hmm. you're going to have that viewpoint that it's not that big of a deal. But you need to have an understanding that you can't put push your personal views on somebody who has gone through that personal experience. You can't negate my own personal experience because it is something that I have um, gone through myself. I think one of I think one of the issues is is um, if you go back to your parents' sort of day when they were young, and it was more of the sort of overt racism, um, mm. and prior to them, you know, the real hardcore stuff that still goes on in America with like the KKK and mm. these sort of cult ideologies. Yeah, um, we've almost sort of shifted a bit sideways from that and into this covert racism era where people have these prejudiced thoughts uh, sometimes subconsciously because again they've been socialized in into this um and we we're almost in like a some people i feel are are in like a denial phase that they're not a racist because they've never really challenged their own thoughts Mm. um i think it's important that we every now and again we do need to challenge our thoughts and try and learn off other people mm-hmm. um, because sometimes we can be so ignorant to, to, to anything really and I think we're all guilty of that to a certain mm-hmm. extent um, mm-hmm. but that's why it's so important now and again you, you just got to check yourself like am, am I thinking this because of this? Oh, yeah. well, well, it's, it's, like, it's like that Sarah Everard case has just happened yeah. this yeah. different topic but ultimately I, I said to you didn't I after that like I can never imagine how scared a woman must be going home from a night out because I've never had so to experience that. Yeah. There's an effect yeah, as a male. Yeah. And then you, start, then you start thinking about things and think, God, yeah, we, you know, that must be a really scary thing for a woman. Yeah. And it's totally crazy that that's even a thing that, that women should have to be scared to go home from a night out. But it, it is, it is, it's, it's reality. There's Something. evil, there's evil people out there, unfortunately. And, um, I mean, yeah, you're right. We, we, you have to challenge your own thoughts. You have to challenge, you know, just your, your own basic thinking and, you know, just put yourself in other people's shoes. I still get those thoughts um, to this day because for me going into a workplace, yeah, um, my, not so much a worry, but something I always have my guard up is about, uh, my guard up about is the people that I'm going to encounter and are they going to embrace me? Or are they going to kind of be wary of me because it's like, oh, we don't have a lot of black people or yeah. other people of colour in the office. So do we need to kind of tread carefully in terms of our banter or what we kind of say in the office and so and so forth? So that kind of falls into office work culture. Yeah. And in terms of um, are they setting up policies and setting up um, the infrastructure that it doesn't matter where you kind of come from, that you are... Um, treated equally because unfortunately there's been um, times before that I've worked in a job and I felt very very uncomfortable because I did not feel that I was welcome it's not necessarily on the words um, that they said to me it was their actions and how they would purposely leave me out of certain meetings leave me out of certain conversations um, some of the banter that was used um as well and again that's the problem with this covert racism yeah. it's partly denial it's culture as well yeah it's culture yeah culture but... the culture of, of, of society the culture of individual workplaces education systems yeah. that's the big problem it's culture yeah. i i agree i think um when i worked in an office i remember the one guy uh when i was dating my ex who was who was black um he i don't know why he said this but he said to me um yeah, I think I think some black women are attractive, 
but then I wouldn't want my daughter to marry a, a, a white guy. Wow. Now, what's, what's that based on? Sorry, I didn't catch. So he said, he said, my... he said, mm -hmm. I think some black women are attractive, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't want my daughter to marry a white man, uh, a black man. Sorry. So oh, where, okay. where is yeah. that wrong? Yeah. Did I? Sorry. Yeah. Where's that thought process come from? Yeah. Like, do, you, do you see what I mean? And yeah. is that cultural or is it because we've been socialised into thinking? You can only know why, I suppose, interrogating that man and looking back at his history, but again, just appalling, man. That's, what, that, could that's, you, what could you say to that? How like, do you, where, I mean, yeah, why, come why have you even got to be put in an uncomfortable situation like that in terms of, um, you know, why is that even a, a sentence? Why? So I would funny that you're kind of mentioning that that he finds black women attractive but he wouldn't want his daughter to date um a black uh, black, black man yeah. uh, my personal experience especially with dating is i've it's, it's a very weird phenomenon where i've had fetishism um towards okay. my towards my color that they don't see me as a person or as a female that they're attracted to uh, because of my personality or my attitude or my morals or anything like that it's purely because within their own community of where they were growing up there was not a lot of people of color generally so to come across a black female like myself it's almost like i'm an exotic trope oh um this um beautiful black female i've never tried this type of thing before it was almost more of that i was a um almost like a conquest in a sense that they've had other females before that are within their same race but it's a new thing now to try a black woman because it's so, so like a different. trend yeah, a, a, yeah a trend and also um a bit of curiosity but it's yeah. curiosity in the worst ways because of course they're not interested in knowing me as a person it's a racist thing that they want to date me to tick off um, a little checklist of things that they've done that have been a little bit different that maybe their parents would not have been doing themselves. I did see something on Facebook. I think it was like a Daily Mail or Mirror post. And there was a black female saying, um, trying to explain to this guy that you can still be racist even if you're dating a black person. Oh, yeah. Most he, definitely. he just couldn't understand that concept. Yeah. And again, that, that shows the severity of the problem. It's like when people say, I'm, I'm not racist, I've got black friends. Oh, it's, it's the same principle, yeah. Have you? Well, um, well then, mate. But <laughs> fantastic. That doesn't automatically mean you're not racist. It's not, it's not, you know, that's not like a, I'm not a racist card. It, that, you know, that's just delusion. But we know, like, a lot of people do use that as a defense but it's a defense built on what exactly yeah. do you see what i mean because it's, of that one black friend um they're not racist at all but um my own personal experiences is that i was dating um somebody and his group of friends i wouldn't necessarily say that they were all out racist but they were quite ignorant with some of their comments towards me and when i called them out um on it they were like oh but it's fine you know you're you're all right with us, Sabrina. And it's like, well, no, no, I'm not all right with it. I'm telling you that I'm not all right. And you shouldn't be using that language at all. Just because I'm friends with you does not mean that I'm not going to call you out on it. Of course. Yeah. I think, you know, racism, we've obviously, we've all got our feelings on it and we think it's definitely a problem, but it gets to a problem with me. You know, I remember studying 
racism on, on my law degree. Mm. Um, I studied the Stephen Lawrence case. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever studied it, you know, a topic or a case that's ever had such a huge impact upon me. Um, what that poor boy and his family suffered, not just from the killers, but also what society um, showed him and the black community, well, all communities really, um, how kind of evil it can be and how bad society can be. Um, yeah, it really like had an emotional impact upon me. It upset me. God, I didn't really know too much about it until studying it in university, to be perfectly honest. And, you know, for anybody who's not aware of it, anyone who's a young listener, so Stephen Lawrence was a boy that was murdered. Was it 1993, I think, was it? Yeah. He was murdered by four or five um, white boys purely because he was um, purely because he was black. So him and his friend were at a bus stop mm. in Eton in London. I think it's Eton. Actually, that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure, but yeah, he was waiting for a bus home, and these four or five white boys just run over and attacked him, stabbed him, and killed him in just cold blood. Just no reason other than the fact he was black mm-hmm. um and you know again I'll, I'll tell a little bit more of the story just in case anyone hasn't um isn't aware of the story so stephen lawrence was obviously murdered um and there were huge issues around the investigation the police made error after error after error um you know from from the police turning up to a they didn't even do any first aid until the ambulance got there which they couldn't, couldn't, can't confirm, neither can neither confirm nor deny may have saved him now. Um, so no first aid. Why is that? What's that all about? Um, to the point that, you know, the police were given the names of the people who had, everyone believed had committed these crimes. Yeah. They, they mm-hmm. were witnesses, not, not necessarily witnesses that saw it happen, but, you know, these boys were arrogant to the fact they'd done it. They were mm. proud of doing it. Um, and eventually two of them were found guilty of doing it. But during this investigation, it became abundantly clear that um, there's, there was a problem with institutional racism in the Metropolitan yeah. Police. Um, and there was numerous investigations um, taken upon on the, on the Metropolitan Police and they were found to be institutionally racist. Um, and I think that if, you, if you're not aware of that story, you should definitely go and investigate it. I know there's been some documentaries and a drama that was on ITV yeah. on it recently. Um, but w- if you do not believe there's a problem with racism, or there hasn't been a problem with racism in even the last couple of decades, watch that story and tell me there's not a problem with racism. Yeah. Because for, some, for a human being to leave this world with that amount of evil in front of them, I mean, what a sight to leave this world. His last sight is five white men stabbing him to death for no reason other than the colour of his skin. Now, that's obviously how serious racism can be. And I don't, I believe that there's, there's still racist murders committed, maybe not so much directly in Britain, but all over the world, mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and I think that's why I want to get this, this story out and get this podcast out, because... Yeah. I know Black Lives Matter was was huge and, you know, it, it's had positive change to some extent. But I still think there's so much ignorance. 
I think when I mean me and you went to that protest. Bristol, yeah. yeah. And I think it gave us a bit of confidence that there were so many people showed up mm. with the same sort of view. Yeah. Um, but the aftermath of that, I mean, the outrage of the Colson statue coming down still showed how how much further we've got to go. Yeah. Because you're defending a guy that was enslaving thousands of, of, of slaves um, for the expense of profit, right? And the uh, a lot of the arguments on sort of facebook were yeah but he 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 put money back into bristol and he built this and he built that but it's irrational i mean you can't forgive people for such a crime just because they've given money because it it, it would be like forgiving jimmy savile wouldn't it for the crimes he's committed because he plowed a lot of money into hospitals and charities which has helped a lot of children and a lot of unwell people but you cannot forgive them for the crimes that they've committed do you think people would walk past the statue of Jimmy Savile and be like, oh, well, he, the money he raised did do a lot of good, though. Exactly. Did a lot of, exactly. did do a lot of good. And we should remember him. We should remember him because he, he did do a lot of good. I know he did do a few. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know? It's that's, just, that's, that's how rational. rational it is. But, yeah. But I think the other um, link to it is, is that because Edward Colston, especially for the black community, is yeah. a big negative no-no. Like, we, of course, I'm not going to commemorate this man because he made a profit off of um slave off of slave labor because of um the stuff that he was doing does not affect did not affect um majority of the um, uk population the white people that would be living there at the time mm -hmm. of course people the same white people of today would be going well it didn't ne negatively affect me it didn't affect my family line it didn't of course have that big of an influence so no this is history and that's that's the main argument that i've seen with a lot of people why they didn't want the edward colston statue taken down is because they felt it was taken down of british history so like a road in our history yeah but i think mm. yeah i know i saw people saying like you should put him up in a, a museum and, and yeah, so people can go and reflect upon it and mm. learn from our from our mistakes and i just think you know the very fact that there was a statue that stood there people will always remember there was a slave trader there right and we ripped him down because what he did ultimately whether or not in his time that was okay ultimately it was wrong mm. it was inhumane wasn't yeah, it yeah so... it was inhumane whatever uh, of course in his time people are always going to say you know in his time what he was doing wasn't a crime that's the it big... was this, it was normal it was yeah that's the problem we, yeah, we're using this norm of well he was a man of his time but ultimately, if you break it down, the stuff he was doing was inhumane. So you, there's, as far as I'm concerned, personally, there's, there's no argument for that. But again, it boils back down to how history is taught, I mm. think. And even if you look at when slavery was abolished, I think it was like 1833 in the UK, um, around that time, that, that wasn't abolished because they thought about the, you know, the inhumane crimes that were being committed. It was abolished to get compensation to the to the slave owners yeah. because they realized it had a shelf life because of technology was advancing yep the right? industrial revolution it became why should we be spending so much money on these um on this uh task force or um you know the same way that you would be kind of farming animals you have to feed them you have to clothe them that is literally how the slaves were seen just as a commodity you have mm -hmm. to provide all of this extra stuff for them food warm like business right? yeah um but if you're if you've got the industrial revolution where you've got a lot more focus on machinery 
you don't need to feed a machine you don't need to clove a machine it can just continue working for in some cases 24 7 but you could not do that with um the slaves so that's one of the main proponents so why made, they ended the made, slave trade it, yeah it made yeah. sense to bail out at that point take yeah. it to parliament and get a compensation yeah because ultimately it's got a shelf life yeah and they're not going to be as valuable yeah and that always comes down to money yeah most oh, definitely. Always comes down to money. well yeah, yeah it does doesn't it yeah. i think one of the points i know we wanted to talk about and this is probably the most well, we just kind of raised it i guess in some to some extent but it's like the older generation you know where someone like you've got a, i don't know a grandparent right who's makes very racist jokes or yeah. says very racist things right comes from a different time and it was it was right when he was when he was like in, in his childhood and that's how he grew up it was normal yeah, yeah. and that's just that's that's granddad phil sorry if there's any people called fellows watching <laughs> but that's granddad phil yeah yeah right um he just makes those jokes well that's like saying to a, to, to someone who's he's making these jokes about right mm -hmm. you don't have to accept those jokes when you're with me or when you're with the rest of my family but when yeah. granddad phil's here Oh, I accept the bear race. You've got to let it slide. You've got to yeah. let it slide when granddad feels it, okay? Because that's when racism's okay. Mm. And yeah. when, when racism okay, you know, for an hour of the day when granddad feels there, it's okay the rest of the time. Because you can't say it's okay for one hour and then the other 23 hours of the day, it's, it's always legal, mate. Can't yeah. come in with jokes. And ultimately, the problem is about joking about racism is ultimately any form of racism feeds the wider narrative and that you, feeds, and feeds the fire doesn't exactly it? Yeah. and that's when you get these you know you can have the racist jokes but then it goes always to the top end of the spectrum where you've got the stephen lawrence case yeah. one um, one thing with the older generation though that's kind of baffled me is like if you look at like big events like wimbledon mm -hmm. most of the crowd are like quite older right and when they see like serena williams play they're in absolute awe of of her abilities and her talents and there's something in sport that's very there's a purity in sport right and physical pursuit that we admire so much that we're willing to throw out our social orders because when serena's kicking ass at wimbledon no one's looking at her as a black woman they're looking at her as this is an insane athlete and actually they're, they're our equal but the moment she steps off that court she's not anymore yeah. right and, I, and and a lot of the older generation watch wimbledon um, and still have that attitude. I, I can't get my head around that, how you can be in such awe of someone um, when it's a physical pursuit. Yeah. But in any any other like industry, like if she went and worked uh, in an office, she probably received some of the stuff that you've, you've experienced, right? Yeah. I was just about to say, actually, we've got um, going from Serena Williams and looking at black athletes mm -hmm. in particular, um, you want just looking at the um, recent, was it the Champions League? What was the... Oh, the European oh, yeah. World Cup. Yeah, 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 the Euros, Euro, sorry, the Euros, yeah. I knew, what, I knew exactly what was going to happen if England lost on those penalties and if it was those black players that were going to be doing the penalty shootout because as soon as I went on Instagram and I looked at Marcus um, Rashford's mm -hmm. Instagram page and they lost the penalty shootout, all you saw was the monkey emoji straight away yeah. it was i always just found it so funny that when we were um in the quarterfinals and the semi-finals the um everybody was rallying around these um three black players saying yeah you know we're all um inclusive 
you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a black, brown, yellow or whatever. We're English, we're um, fighting on the England team. But as soon as those boys lost those penalty shootouts, all I saw was the monkey emoji and that they need to be kicked out of the country. But that's a, I mean, that's, it's just horrendous, yeah. right? But I, I can't get my head around when it comes to physical pursuit. And I mean that as in a sporting sense, when you're top of your game, yeah. right? The social orders, these hierarchies of race, superiority and all that goes out the window for that brief moment that that person's performing at their best and mm -hmm. everyone's enjoying it, right? It's like, let's just say like it was, we had a race and like whoever could run the longest, right? That was the thing. That's your color, your education, etc., etc. It doesn't matter. Like in that actual race, mm. it's whether who who can do it, right, or whoever could hold their breath the longest, right? It 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 just destroys anything outside of you holding your breath for the longest, yeah. right? And we can we can praise these people when they're winning, and they can do it the longest. But the moment they come off, like I said, with Serena Williams, come off the court. There's, oh, she's with a white guy. Oh, she's yeah. this. Oh, she's doing this advert. Mm -hmm. You know, all all of these things that sh that shouldn't shouldn't matter. Yeah, there is um, a whole load of source material, documentaries, books, podcasts as well that talk on these specific matters, and um, I would welcome them to debate on why they see why they have that certain viewpoint. And I would question them on their personal experiences to say, okay, so you've grown up in this certain environment. Is it because that you personally haven't seen it? Is it after seeing these videos? Is it just that you don't believe it? Or is there something else um, that is kind of saying that racism doesn't exist? Because racism is not something that's just occurred within our generation. It has occurred from since essentially time began. It's mm. the same thing even looking at sexism it is something that has always been there it's always been there with humans um and it's something that it's i wouldn't say it's necessarily going to stop but it's definitely something that we can counter attack to make sure that people of color like myself don't feel like we have to carry on um making this big fight to say that this isn't right um, thank you so much to our listeners and viewers for watching and listening to our podcast today. Um, please like, subscribe and follow. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys.